I hope we're all doing well. Uh, as I said last week, anytime I have the opportunity to preach, it's a, it's a great privilege for me, but anytime I have the opportunity to speak on a subject that is something I'm really passionate about, it's just an extra bonus for me. And uh, this thing of service at Northland, it's a high value for us, and I shared last week, the reason it's such a big deal for us is because when we look at service, uh, we recognize that it's a massive attribute of who Jesus was. Uh, when, we look at the, when we look at service, when we look at love, when we look at generosity, it just culminates who, who Jesus is for us in our lives. And so we, we take time, just as Greg said, to highlight every single year the power of service. And last week, if you were here, uh, you might remember, I, I said kind of the big idea and the big thought was when it comes to the local church, when it comes to the dream that Jesus had for the ecclesia, he said that this, this church, this movement, this body is gonna be so profound, so powerful, that its purpose is going to be so amazing that not even death itself will be able to stop it. And so, so for us, when we ask the question, what is it that we're here to do at Northlands? What is it we're here to do as the local church? The big idea that I had was this, is that we are not inviting people to come and we ourselves aren't coming to consume a great product. That's not what we're here to do. No, the dream that Jesus had for us is that we would be a people committed to a great purpose and we're inviting people to come and to be a part of that purpose. Not because we can't receive great things from, from the local church, not when we come here that we aren't gonna receive something that can so radically transform our lives, but because, because more than just your life being transformed, Jesus has a dream that your life would be transformative. And that, at the end of the day, is what we are called to do. And so, so last week, I kind of laid out the goal. I said, for all of our members, if you're a member here at Northlands Church, I want you to sign up to be a part of a grace team. I would love 100% of our members to sign up and be on a grace team. And that includes those who are watching from home. Once again, guys, we, can, we just, can we just say how much we miss these guys? We love you guys. We're grateful for you. We think about you often. We're praying for you. That testimony you heard from the Chanseys, we, we're trusting for that for you as well. Even though we are physically apart, we are spiritually connected because we are part of the body of Christ. And I, I just wanna once again say, go to our website, check out all the grace teams and the grace teams that have a little asterisk next to them, that is an opportunity for you to join a COVID-friendly team, meaning that it might be a solo project you're working on or a very small team, perhaps working virtually, but we want all of our members to sign up and to serve. And if you're a guest in the house, as we talk today about purpose, I'm gonna talk a lot about how we make big decisions and commit to things because grace teams, it's a big commitment for us. It's signing up for a year's worth of service. That's a big deal. But if you're new here, I just want you to, to learn more about our community. I wanna talk to you about the purpose that God has for your life because there's more for you in the things that God is calling you to, more than just the purpose for your life. He wants to use your life to transform and unlock purpose in other people's lives. And last week we talked about creating shiny eyes. That's why Grace Teams for us is a big deal because we wanna create an environment where that it provokes opportunities for us to unlock the purpose in somebody else's life and to give them shiny eyes, to awaken a dream. Now, with that being said, I was thinking about this last week about what I wanted to talk about this week. And as I was thinking about this, uh, I realized something that every single year that Nicole and I sit down and we talk about uh, our commitment to service at Northlands. How do we wanna serve? What teams are we going to serve on? And, and, and honestly, I noticed this, even, even besides the decision at hand, when we say, hey, consider the pamphlet in front of you and consider serving on a grace team, really any commitment, any invitation or any opportunity that's significant, that's a really big decision, I, it's not just you making the decision. You're not alone in the decision. Now, I'm not even talking about your spouse. If you, if you guys are together sitting at the kitchen table, when it's coming to a big decision, a big commitment, it's not just you in the room. You're also accompanied by this guy. Not this guy specifically, this guy is my guy. You have your guy or gal, this guy is my guy. And you're wondering, who is this guy? This guy 
is foe. Foe is always in the conversation when it comes to a big decision for you and I to make. Every single time we get into the room and it says it's time to make a big decision, yes or no, foe is in the room, and foe is always giving you the exact same answer no matter what the question is. Always the same answer, it's always no from foe. Doesn't matter what it is, take a risk, no, no, don't do that. Hey, Nicole, I'm thinking we should maybe give generously to this family over here, to this ministry, what do you think? I don't really know, we're listening. All of a sudden foe butts in, it's like no. Perhaps it's for you, you're thinking right now about a career change or a job opportunity or moving to a different industry and you're like, man, I wonder what I should do, yes or no, should I jump in? Foe's there, no. Should I move to a different country, different state? No, no. My, my daughter Evangeline, no, no, double no. She hangs out with foe too much. Gotta teach her stranger danger. I don't know what your foe says, but I know the things that my foe says. See, foe stands for frequently offered excuses of why you and I should say no. It's not just about the grace teams conversation. I'll talk about grace teams and about service. I wanna talk about decision-making as, as, as a whole. Any decision that you're making right now, and, and I know even with 2021, we're looking down the corridor this year, and there's big decisions that you and I have to make right now. And it's not just you and your spouse, or your family, but also in the room, foe is there. And he's whispering something in your ear, just like this one whispers in my ear all the time. I don't know what your foe says to you, but let's bring it into the context of a grace team. Perhaps you considered this year, and I know this, as soon as I started preaching about grace teams last week, your foe started talking to you as well. And oftentimes, uh, your foe preaches louder than I do. And oftentimes, your foe is far more convincing than I am, because your foe knows you way better than I do. And he knows the exact message to send to you about the decision at hand. Again, bringing it into the context of Grace Team, pretend maybe you were thinking about the team that you were on and maybe Foe was saying, you know what, no, 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 no. You can't sign up for a Grace Team because you're unqualified. Perhaps he's whispering to you and he's like, look at all those teams. There's all these different teams. Not a single one of those teams are you qualified to join. Perhaps that's what your Foe says. Perhaps your Foe says, you know what, no, no, just sit back after the 17th. You'll see that the team that you were gonna sign up for, somebody more qualified stepped into the space that you were considering. Wait, just wait for it. There's somebody more qualified in that role. Perhaps for you, it's a conversation of being disqualified. Perhaps he's reminding you of your past or the things you've done. He's like, you're too broken to function on a team with other people. You're disqualified. Perhaps your foe is reminding you uh, continually about the fact that if you step out on that business venture, or you take a risk, or you step out in faith, or you do something courageous like joining a group of people towards a mission, you're all alone. Don't be fooled, you step out, there's no support coming. Perhaps your foe is sitting there telling you, you know what, you can sign up for a grace team, but come on, is it really gonna change anything? Does it really make a significant difference? Why would you waste your time? Perhaps your foe is here and he's speaking to you about your, your year that you've had in 2020, considering 2021, and he's going, are you kidding me? 2020 was absolutely exhausting. You join a grace team, you're just adding more to your plate and it's gonna burn you out. Perhaps he's talking to you about your past experiencing, reminding you about your failures. You've stepped out before, you're gonna step out again, you will fail. Perhaps he's here and he's reminding you of a discouraging word that came from the outside. Maybe it was a friend or a peer, a teacher, a coach, somebody who meant well or they didn't mean well at all. And the words that they said made you feel incredibly small about the gift that you have and what you bring and how it is insignificant. 
Perhaps if you're watching from home and you're already, as I was talking about this last week, you're already thinking about, man, how on earth am I going to join a team of service during the COVID season when I can't physically be here? Perhaps he's talking about the obstacles of, you have to join a new team, you have to do new training. What if you don't like the new team? That's very possible in church. There's some weird people here. You know who you are. No, I'm just kidding. But, but, but whatever it is right now, there's a foe in your ear and in my ear because we, we have a decision to make around grace teams, but I wanna take it further and go, what are decisions are sitting on the table right now? And have you considered the fact there are continual, frequent offered excuses of why you shouldn't or should do something? And every time you lean into foe's ear and every time you take his counsel, the answer is always the same, no. I found this for, for my life as well and I wanna share a little bit of my story when I had to combat against a foe and the, the, the excuses that I heard in my life. And one of the things that I noticed about foe is that at the end of the day, if I ask you, we'll just again take service as an example. If I say, hey, do you think service is important? Do you think service matters? I've yet to meet the person who says, no, service doesn't matter. Because I, if I go, hey, have you ever been served by somebody? Did it impact your life? And people have stories. Yeah, absolutely, this impacted my life. Or I say, hey, have you ever served somebody and you've seen the impact in your life? It's never a question about it's never a question about is service important or the decision at hand, do we recognize that it's important? It's just the fact that whatever that thing is, foe is continually telling you no. Doesn't matter how important it is, doesn't matter that we recognize how important it is, foe is always telling you no because at the end of the day, foe offers no for what matters most. And this is, what, this is the truth. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what's at stake. It doesn't matter what evidence is presented. And we'll talk about this as we get into the scriptures today. It doesn't matter what evidence is produced. At the end of the day, we have something that's important to us. We have something that is filled with purpose. And at the end of the day, foe is always offering no's to what matters most. And if we know that it matters most, we need to do something about it. And I remember uh, 2009, 2010, I was dating this girl for about two and a half years. Things were getting serious. I wonder where she is today. Sometimes I think about it. No, I'm just kidding, it's Nicole, guys. I was dating Nicole. <laughs> Everyone's like, does Nicole know about this girl? No, it's Nicole. Nicole and I were dating for, for about two and a half years. I'm living in North Carolina, she's living in Atlanta. And I remember thinking to myself, I feel like I might need to move to Atlanta if I'm ever gonna marry this girl. Because if you know, marriage is always better when you're in the same state, it just is. And so as soon as I think, man, maybe I should move to Atlanta. I'm 19, 20 years old, just out of college, still living with my parents, figuring this thing out. And as soon as I start thinking about, man, how awesome would it be if Nicole and I were in the same state, same city maybe, foe shows up. Tyler, you can't move to Atlanta, are you crazy? Are you crazy, you moved to Atlanta, Atlanta's over there, you moved to Atlanta, you don't have a job. How are you gonna find, you can't find, it's, it's practically still 2008, we're, we're dealing with a recession, you can't find a job in Atlanta, are you kidding me? Tyler, look at your bank account, you can't possibly you can't possibly go to Atlanta with the budget that you have. You're not gonna be able to live on your own. Tyler, Tyler, look, I'm telling you right now, think about the network that you have here in North Carolina. You know all these people, you know all these great individuals. They love you, they support you, they celebrate you. Why would you wanna leave that and go over there? You know what I found about Foe? Is that Foe is not just distracting you from making the decision or pulling you away from that decision. Every time he speaks, he wants to pull you away from the purpose that God is calling you into. And what ends up happening is you start living in this little space spot that he's created for you. And I found this to be true in my life. This is the danger with foe, is foe wants to convince you and I that he's on your team, that he's looking out for you. Tyler, Tyler, no, no, I'm just trying to give you a, a sense of security here. Think about the security you have in North Carolina. You've grown up here, you know this place, you'll find a nice job here, you can find another girl. It's fine, there's plenty of fish in the sea, not a big deal. And he creates this small area for me and it's my comfort zone. I'm secure here, I know this area. And he says, see, isn't certainty so good? 
Don't go out there in the endless world of possibility. You could get hurt out there. I, there's a quote from a pastor that I, I love to follow. His name is Levi Lusco, pastor's out in the Northwest, and he says this about our comfort zones and about the lies of the enemy. He says, our comfort zones, they'll tell us that they're here to keep us safe. And they don't keep us safe, they keep us small. And at the end of the day, we are setting up boundaries in our lives because if we listen to foe, these are the boundary lines that are gonna be set for us. And there's a whole purpose that God is calling us into. And we'll never find it if we're listening to foe. So today I wanna preach a message that I'm calling silencing our foe. Whatever your obstacle is, whatever decision you have to make, if it's about grace teams, it's about business, if it's about your finances, whatever that thing may be, if we don't learn to silence our foe, we'll begin to live in the lie of limitation that he sets for us or she sets for us. And that's a significant big deal. Here's my big thought for today. Here's the thing that I wanna just lay before you and for you to consider and for me to consider this thing that I wanna continually just remind ourselves as we're looking at decisions in our lives, that the voice that we believe will set the boundaries of our life. The voice that you and I choose to believe will eventually set the boundaries for our life. I'll come back to my story about moving to Atlanta in just a moment. But I wanna look at another story in scriptures. In Numbers chapter 13, I wanna look at a man named Caleb. And Caleb had such a significant uh, uh, moment in history for his life and honestly for future generations. We're still talking about him to this day. But he wasn't alone in the decision, not just because he had a foe, but because he was surrounded by, by 11 other men who looked at the evidence of their life, looked at the exact same circumstances that Caleb looked at, and yet Caleb believed a different voice and believed in a different destiny and purpose and promise for his life. So in Numbers chapter 13, we're gonna jump around a little bit. If you have your Bibles, we'll start at verse 18, uh, but it'll also come up on the screen. Now, just to give context, uh, Caleb was a part of the Israelite nation. They had just come out of slavery. For 400 years, the Israelites were enslaved by Egypt. Egypt was the superpower at that time, and God raises up a leader named Moses. Moses liberates the people of Israel after 400 years, but it gets even better than that. It wasn't just that Moses led the people out of Egypt but that God was promising them to to deliver them into a promised land. It wasn't just getting out of somewhere, it's that they were going somewhere profound. And Moses leads them from Egypt through the wilderness and now they are at the threshold of this promised land. And when I say promised land, God is saying, man, this place is flowing with milk and honey. Every aspect of this, if if you need crops, it's there. There's animals for hunting, everything that you could possibly need to set up a city, everything that you need to set up a people, everything in that space was profound. And so Moses sends out 12 scouts as they're at the threshold of the promised land to just check out the area. And Caleb was a part of that scouting party. Him and 11 other men, Joshua was with Caleb. He was the second leader of Israel after Moses died. Joshua became the leader. And Joshua, Caleb, and these 10 other spies, they go out. And it takes them 40 days, 40 days to investigate this promised land. And this is what Moses instructs them. As they're going out and they're looking at it, this is what Moses says to them. He says, see what the land is like, whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are, the trees, are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. And then it just puts in parentheses in the scripture, it was the season for the first ripe grapes. Now in verse 23, these guys go out and they're investigating for 40 days. And I just wanna take a note from verse 23 just to give you an idea of how amazing this land was. This is what it says in verse 23. It says, when they reached the valley of Eshkel, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Check this out. 
Two of them carried it on one pole between them, along with some pomegranates and some figs. That's some big grapes. I don't know about you, but I've never seen that at Trader Joe's, yeah. That is significant. Guys holding a pole, another guy's in front of them, and in between them, they've got a single cluster of grapes that are, they're holding this together. That's significant. Now, obviously, anytime you have big grapes, a big farmer planted those grapes. And so in the promised land as well, there were giants in that land. And they found that as well after their 40 days of investigating. So they, they come back and the spies are giving their report. And they're saying, man, this 40 days of just looking at it, it's amazing. It is absolutely phenomenal. But there are giants in the land. And so there's some discourse about what they should do next. And so they're fighting it out. The, the 10 other spies are saying, no, this is something we shouldn't do. It's too dangerous. This is, not, this is not wise. But then Caleb silences the group. And this is what it says in verse 30 of Numbers 13. It says this. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land. And I love this little tag at the end, for we can certainly do it. I don't know, I don't know what it was, I just, here's what I know. I know that Caleb had foes just like you and I did. I know that he saw the exact same evidence of the other 10 men. Joshua was on his side of this thing. He believed that the Lord was leading him there. But he looked at the promises of that land. He said, this is exactly what God had promised. And he said that we are going to live there. It's one thing to say there's a promised land. But when God says there's a promised land and you will live there, Caleb decided to believe, you know what? There are giants, but I know that God probably saw this coming. We can certainly take this because this is what the Lord has called us to do. But this was the response of the other 10 spies. It says this, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad, or, and sorry, these men spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim uh, there, the, the descendants of Anak, which was a, the, a famous giant nation uh, that come from Nephilim. We've seen, we've seen like grasshoppers in our own eyes. When we compared ourselves to them, we were like insects. And when they looked at us, that's what they saw. They saw us like insects as well. And this is the report that they spread, but it gets even worse. Chapter 14, verse one, it says this. That night, all the members of the community raised their voice and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, who was another leader there, and the whole assembly said to them, and this is what's so important, this is what, this is what shocks me. If only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Moses, think about this for a second. Don't, sometimes we read the Bible too fast. Moses, if we go into the promised land, we could die. So what's the alternative? Let's go die back in Egypt instead. Wow. The foe had so rattled these people. They were, they had, it, the, the foe had the, the, these folks here so much that logically they said to us, it would be better for us to die somewhere that's familiar. At least we had security in Egypt. The foes was, don't you remember the good old days? back when you just worked a solid 13 to 15 hours a day. And sure, your boss hit you a little bit, but come on. Don't you remember how great it was? You got to come home and just sleep after a long, hard day of slavery. I mean, it wasn't your home, it was the scumbag landlord Egyptian, but, but still, at least you had a place to put your head. And they had convinced themselves that living here and dying here in a place that they knew was better than stepping out into the unknown and risking failure. 
I don't, I don't know about all of you, but I know this for many of you because, because some of you are, are like me as well. What I have found to be the case is that when I think about failing, it scares the heck out of me. But I've come to, the, I've come to this conclusion, a couple things. One, I would rather fail forward than ever fail in defense. This is an automatic loss. At least there's a good fight on the other side. I've also found this to be true, that failure is not an identity statement. It's just an event. It's not who you are. If you failed in 2020, that was just an event. You're gonna move past, it's not the, it's not the first failure, it's not gonna be your last failure, it's just an event. So to get that in our head and heart, it was a, that's a big lesson that I'm, I'm learning. But here, here's what I've learned that's so significant, is that if you try to step into the unknown possibilities of, of taking risk and of being bold and of being courageous, here's what, here's what I've learned to be true. If you fail, it will hurt. But there is something that hurts far more than failing in an event. And that's living with the slow burn of a day-by-day regret of a missed opportunity. To sit here, and, I, and this, is, this is part of the conclusion that I had when I was sitting there thinking about the move to North Carolina, I literally said this, and I didn't mean to be offensive to people, I just said, I would rather die living in my car and go to Atlanta than keep staying here where it was safe because I was slowly dying day by day. Not because the town was bad, not because I didn't have family that was celebrating, because I heard a whisper of something better. The moment you see a taste of a promised land, you can't go back, you've been ruined. And the moment that the Lord awakens you to his purposes and calling, but the moment he whispers a dream, again, the, the phrase that Greg preaches continually, there's a giant of a God in you, and he dreams great dreams for your life. The moment you have acknowledged that there is more for you, this is no longer acceptable. This is, a, this is a lie of limitation. This is the land of meager possibilities. And this is not fitting for somebody who's been made in the image of God like you and me. This is far too small of a place to live. It absolutely is scary out there. It's an ocean of endless possibilities, but don't let the foe lie to you. Endless possibilities of how you could die. No, endless possibilities of promises unfolding in your life because God is a God who is continually unfolding his grace, his mercy, his love, and his kindness for you. Endless oceans of God's possibilities for your life and for my life. And so it's gonna require us to take a risk. Now, God hears this story, he, he hears this account from the Israelites and he goes, he goes, I cannot believe that you spent 40 days investigating the promises that I spoke over you. And after 40 days of investigation, you're gonna let a little thing like some giants keep you from stepping in. And so he says, you know what? The voice that you believe will set the boundaries for your life. He said, if you wanna follow the foe, then I want you to go and follow where that foe will lead you. And he says, for every day that you investigated the promise, I'm giving you a year in following your foe. For 40 years, the Israelites followed their foes around the wilderness. And Caleb was among them, but Caleb went into the wilderness with his people with the promise from the Lord. And this is what, this is what the Lord said. After he gives that instruction, of, hey, you're going into 40 years of the wilderness and wandering, this is what he says about Caleb. He says in verse 24, chapter 14, it says, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and he follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. I wanna be like Caleb. As they say in the South, I wanna risk it for the biscuit. I don't know who started it, I'm just glad that they did. Love that statement. So I wanna ask the question, what does it take to silence our foes? What does it take for me to silence my foe, the message that my foe continually sends me about my day? And what does it take to silence your foe? 
And so here's, here's just some lessons that I learned. If I go back to my story and my time of moving from North Carolina to Atlanta and the big, the big decision that, that was for me, uh, one significant thing that I had to do, and it's exactly what Caleb did in verse 24 as he, as he gave the account about this promise, and it's certainly we can do it. And the number one, if you wanna silence your foe, you're going to have to choose to believe a better word. Number one, you'll have to choose to believe a better word because when you make a big decision in life, it's not just you or your spouse, and it's not just you and your foe, that the Holy Spirit of God is also speaking to you. If there is one magic wand thing that I could just give to every person that ever comes in the, foot of, comes in the doorway of Northlands, it would be that you could hear the voice of God for your life. If you can do that, this right here becomes a whole lot easier, almost automatic. We have to ask the Holy Spirit. So, so the decision of signing up for a grace team, the question that I had as you're thinking about it, did you start thinking about your year and the challenge and why do I have to say no? Or did you say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? Because the Holy Spirit is speaking about those decisions, continually reminding you of a better word. Listen to some of the better words that I wrote down. You might hear your foe saying, you're unqualified. But you know what the Holy Spirit has to say about that? No, you're not unqualified, you're chosen. You might hear them say, no, someone more qualified is gonna come along, but you know what the Holy Spirit says? He says, nope, you're an indispensable member. What you have is more than enough. What I have is more than enough. Perhaps the foe is telling you you're disqualified and the Holy Spirit of God is saying, nope, you are completely and totally forgiven. You have been sanctified, you have been justified, and I, the one who qualifies, qualifies you. Perhaps you're here and you're hearing the whisper from your foe and your foe is saying, you are all alone in this decision-making. It's you and me and you are all alone in this. And the Holy Spirit would say, no, 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 no. You're a member of the body of Christ and I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. You're surrounded by a community of people who believe the better word and the Holy Spirit of God is continually whispering to you, we're in this together. Perhaps the foe's whispering, this won't change anything and the Holy Spirit is saying, nope, Every time you give service, every time you give generously, it is a sacrifice that honors me and it also is a tangible expression of the gospel in someone's life. Perhaps he's reminding you, you start this down this road about service or giving generously and I promise you, just like 2020, you're gonna be left exhausted, you're gonna be burnt out and the Holy Spirit is telling you, especially when it comes to a grace team and giving your, your life away for somebody else, he says, nope, I will be the one who fills your soul at every point in turn. Perhaps the foe reminds you of your past failures and experiences and the Holy Spirit is so quick to remind us about the victorious future that we have in Christ. Perhaps he's reminding you and reciting to you phrases that you heard from a teacher or a coach or somebody who might have meant well or didn't mean well, a discouraging word from the outside and the Holy Spirit is there to encourage you from the inside out, always your encourager, always reminding you about how indispensable you are, the gifts that he's put in your life, the strengths he's put in your life. He is the encourager of our souls. Perhaps you're here and you're watching and because of the COVID realities that we've been dealing with, you're, you're, you're going, man, there's just no way that I can give service this year. It's gonna be weird joining a new team, all the different things that come along with that. And the Holy Spirit wants to say to you, you have a space here in the body. COVID does not pull you away from being a member of the body of Christ. You have a space here and it's with us. It requires us to believe a better word any time that you have a big decision in your life and you're not really sure what to do, ask the question, what's the better word? What's the word that the Holy Spirit wants to give me about this decision? Because he is speaking to us and leading and guiding us into all truth is what the scripture says. He's leading you into a promised land. 
Number two, this one is fun for me. Uh, number two, in order to silence your foe, in order to silence my foe, it requires us to take a defiant action against the foe. Bible says that we have the power to pull down strongholds and arguments that would raise themselves up against the standard of the promise that God would have for our lives. And I've found this to be the case. Anytime that a foe is in my ear, I have to ask myself, okay, what would the opposite be? Meaning, meaning if foes, man, you can't start a business. You're not an entrepreneur. Have you ever asked, what would an entrepreneur do? I wanna give generously. No, you shouldn't give generously. What would a generous person do? I wanna, I wanna serve, I wanna give my talents, I wanna give my gifts, I wanna be generous in that way. What should you do in those moments? I have found even a small act that's in defiance against your strongest thought has the ability to break that thing in your life. Doesn't really matter what it is, I'm, I'm telling you, so just, just some ideas that I threw out as I was brainstorming this. Uh, maybe creating a business card for your new business that doesn't exist yet is a great defiant action against the foe. You know, Tyler, if I create a business card, that doesn't mean I have a business I know, but it's just a statement that you hold up and you go, I made a business card because I'm an entrepreneur. Perhaps you feel a call and whisper, man, I wanna be generous with my finances, my resources, my time, my talents, I wanna be generous. Perhaps it's literally just taking a dollar out of your pocket. And we think to ourselves, oh, what, what, what difference is a dollar gonna make? It's not about changing the circumstances of a ministry or somebody else's life, it's just about changing the wrestling that's in your life, in your soul. It's to convince you I'm called to be a generous person and this is my statement, my evidence that God has called me to be generous. Perhaps it's checking a box on a pamphlet. You go, what, is this, what does this actually do? What does this actually change? Perhaps it's just a defiant statement to say, you know what? I'm choosing to believe that I'm an indispensable member of the body of Christ and they need me. This is my defiant action for 2021. I'm going to give my service because I'm an indispensable member. I don't know what defiant action you should take or what decision you're facing. Just ask the question, who is it that God is calling me to be? And what would a person like that do? And do that thing. Number three. Number three, and this one's so big for me as we talk about service and we talk about this kind of community and being a part of community groups and grace teams and missional communities. Number three for me is such a big deal because it helps silence not just your foe, but that God would use you as an instrument to silence the foe of somebody else. And this is a big deal for us because we're here not just to see our lives transformed, but that our lives would be transformative. And God can use your life to silence the foe of somebody else. And so for me, number three, if you wanna silence your foe, be in a community that believes the better word. Not just a couple people, a community like this that believes a better word. I remember I was um, in, this, in this story of North Carolina to Atlanta we're days away from me moving. Nicole buys a one-way ticket. She's got way more faith than I do. She buys a one-way ticket. She's like, I'm here to help you pack. We're gonna get there. I'm like, I don't even have a car. Things are falling, the wheels are falling off and there's not even a car for the wheels to fall off on. And so I'm, I remember I was, it, we were like 48 hours away from us moving me to Atlanta. And I'm at church and we're worshiping. And as we're worshiping, didn't matter how loud the instruments were, my foe is so loud. And he just began to just berate me about how silly of an idea this was to move to Atlanta. And he began to talk to me about, you don't have the resources, the income, the job, you your plan is not good enough, you don't have a car, you don't have a, a place to live, all of these different lies, and I'm being overwhelmed and just gripped by my foe. And I remember I, I look up and I see across the room, I see my dad who's worshiping. And so I go up to him, I'm just like, I just need prayer. And so I walk over to him 
And I just, I just go, Dad, I can't do this. I'm completely out of my depth. I've made a mistake. I've led Nicole into this as well. I am completely, I can't do this. And, and it, every parent wants to leave a gift for their kids. This, was the, this for me was the legacy statement that my father left me. Still with me today, but this is the one that I remember the most. He looks at me, puts his hand on my shoulder, and he goes, I would not let you leave if I didn't know you were going to succeed. My foe, my foe continually sends evidence about my failures and, and doesn't, like, your foe, you're gonna fail. How does he know that? In the, in the great unknown of possibility, how does, he know, how does my dad know that I'm gonna succeed? I didn't ask that question, but something in me just rose up when I, when I felt my dad's faith in me. And you know what it did for me? It was as if my, my father came to me, came to my foe. This worked better in practice. And it was like as he just shut everything down. Every single possible argument, every lie that I was believing up and up, when I had a word from the Lord, but man, fear was gripping my heart. I had a promise from God about a promised land that was coming, and I still had the opportunity to turn back and go back to Egypt. And my dad stepped in as a Caleb in my life. And he began to whisper to me just the fact, I know you're gonna succeed. I know there's more in you. And I chose to believe. And you know what's so significant for me? I look back now that I know what I know, and I'm still unfolding in the possibilities of purpose that God has called for me in the land. It's been 10 years, and it's still getting better and better and better and better. But I look back on this. I was talking to Nicole about this this week. I thought to myself, I go, man, what hung in the balance of my decision. I have to make a big decision. What if I said no? Would we have still gotten married? I don't know. We wouldn't have our daughter Evangeline. Would I have stayed in ministry? Would I, know, I don't think I'd be on this stage. Maybe one in North Carolina. I think about what hung in the balance of my decision. I think about Caleb's decision. What was hanging in the balance for Caleb to say, I'm going to choose to believe a better word and it wasn't just the, the things that Caleb could see. He said, hey, if I succeed, my family is gonna be set up. It wasn't just that he saw, man, if, if, if this goes bad, things are gonna go bad. And if things go right, man, I'm gonna have uh, my kids and my grandkids, we're gonna have an incredible life and land in this new promise. It wasn't just that. It was the things that were hanging in the balance for Caleb that he couldn't possibly even see, that thousands of years after he died, thousands of years, a 30-something would be up on a stage singing his praises about his wholehearted devotion to God. Caleb had no idea that this was gonna happen. Every decision we make that has significance behind it has the ability to ripple out and impact the lives of other people. And I think about the fact that if we're in a community that believes the better word, why do grace teams matter? Not just because we give shiny eyes to people and unlock purpose. It's because, and I, I, shared, my, I, I shared my story about my, my children's pastor, my youth pastor. They weren't just giving me shiny eyes. They continually talked to me about how they knew I was gonna succeed and how there was a call of God on my life. And they continually silenced the lies of the enemy in my life, just like my parents. For you, you might be signing up to be on the first impression team. And I know this for a fact, because I get emails and I get calls or I talk to my friends. There are gonna be people who walk through our doors and they're absolutely terrified of the idea of coming to church because their foe is in their ear 
telling them about how they're gonna be rejected, how they'll never make it work in the church community, how they're too broken to possibly come in and be here. People will judge them for their, and yet they're gonna walk in the door and they're gonna meet first impressions people, people who sign up to be on the first impressions team or perhaps at the coffee shop, and you know what they're gonna hear? Hey, welcome to Northlands. We love that you're here. You can silence their foe. Joining the production team or the worship team, our hope is that we would create an environment that charges up faith, that people would be bold and to have courage. And that when they come into this place, when they come into a place of worship, just again, Anthony shared just a phenomenal word this morning about this very thing, that we would silence the enemy's lies. And if you join the production team or the worship team or to join to create that kind of environment, you are silencing the foes of other people. You might be helping them say yes to a big decision. Perhaps it's the care community or care portal team. We're connecting and loving on foster families and those who are allies to the foster community. And you might not just be awakening purpose and shiny eyes in those lives of those kids and those families, but you also might be ripping down strongholds and arguments that tell them that they are less than. What hangs in the balance of your service could be significant. I was thinking about this, um, this message this week and I, I was talking to Nicole about this message and if, I ever, if you ever think that I preach a good message, save us some time. Just go thank Nicole, because it's pretty much her message anyway. It's just, it's just, it is what it is. I'm not even like making that up. I, I'm talking to her about my message. And anytime I get worked up about a message, I'm like, I'm just not really sure how to, how to do this. Or, and, and so she's listening patiently. And I said, this is what I'm hoping that people would walk away with and what they would know. And this is what I'm, this is what I'm, I'm hoping we would all do. And, and she said something to me uh, that was, it was such a good question. She goes to me, she's listening, she's so patient, she's listening, she's listening. She's like, once you stop rambling, I'll tell you what to say, it's fine. I don't, I, I'm gonna learn, Not 10 years this year, and I'm gonna learn eventually, be like, hey, just ask Nicole, just tell me what you think. And she, she asked this question, I thought it was so powerful. She goes, what is it that you want for your listener? What is it that you are hoping for for them? And I thought about that, and I thought about you. And I thought to myself, I said, you know what I, you know what I want? It's not even about grace teams and signing up for a grace team. I'm going, what is the Holy Spirit telling you to do? If he says, hey, this isn't your season to serve, then just do that, that's fine. That's not the issue. What I want is for you and for me, when a big decision is on the table, that you are making the decision. And that that decision is being based on a promise that the Holy Spirit is whispering to you and not a lie of limitations from your foe. That when it comes to this decision to be made, what do I want for us? I want us to never come back to this place and live here. This is a land of meager possibilities and it is unfitting for anyone in this room or anybody who's watching at home because God has a bigger dream for you and for me. So, so if, if, if I ask you, do you wanna serve on a grace team and you say, uh, yeah, but I just want you to kick the foe's butt out of the way. That's right, I said it. I thought of it, am I gonna say it? I said it. I just don't want there to be a but. I just don't, when you make a decision that it's you making the decision and that you are making that decision and accompanied with the Holy Spirit of God whispering to you about a promised land, I just don't want you to be controlled by this any longer. I don't want it for me. I know what it's like to live here. Perhaps you've lived here before. Perhaps you're living here now. And I'm just asking you, what is it that you want? What is it that the Holy Spirit of God is whispering to you? When you look at 2021 and you look down our future for the months ahead, we have no idea what's coming. I kinda liked that though. 
I like that there's endless possibilities. And now when I'm looking at a doorway, I'm training myself not to assume that there's a giant who's gonna kill me on the other side, but there's a promised land that the Lord is leading me into. And I want for you, when you look at all the decisions of your 2021 and you look back, I want you to go, I made these decisions and I made it with courage and boldness. And when, when, it, was, when it was harder for me to, to stay, I stayed because it's what the Lord had called me to do. And when it was easier for me to leave, I went with him. Whatever that thing is, whatever requires courage from us, whatever requires taking risk, I just want you to be the one that makes the decision. I wanna make that decision as well. I wanna just leave you with this psalm and would I just challenge us, every time you've gotta make a decision this year for, the, for grace teams or any big decision you have to make, would you just lay this psalm over the top of it before you say yes or no to anything? And would you remind yourself of this truth? Psalm, verse 16 to five. The Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. And then after you read that Psalm and you sit there perhaps with your spouse or your family about a decision to be made, I want you to ask yourself, where's the Holy Spirit whispering and leading you? And I want you to know wherever he's leading you, the boundary lines that he's setting for you are wide open and they fall in pleasant places. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for your promise that you're never gonna leave us, you're never gonna forsake us. And so armed with that truth, Lord, would you help us to step out and to be bold? Would you help us silence our foe? Any obstacle or any hurdle that is reminding us that we are less than or not qualified or not good enough, would you help us break past these limitations? Anytime a line in the sand is drawn about how far we are allowed to go, Holy Spirit, would you erase that in our minds and would we step forward with courageous faith? Lord, we wanna be a people who are, who are risk takers, full of faith, bet the farm, trusting you, continually pursuing the things that you are calling us to. Would you help us live like that? Lord, would you build us as a community of people who continually believe the better word, that where you're leading us is always rich and beautiful and profound, that you have a great dream for our life and we wanna step into it with confidence. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to hand it off to Nathan.